I'm someone who loves trying out different makeup looks, but doesn't really wear much on a daily basis, so I like to focus on making sure I have high quality staples. And whether you like a fresh face, full glam, or somewhere in between, you've probably seen Thrive Cosmetics Viral Tubing Mascara. I've certainly seen it everywhere, you know the one in the turquoise tube? So that mascara, along with all of Thrive Cosmetics beauty products, are certified 100% vegan and cruelty-free, which I look for in makeup, and they've got excellent quality to match. And something I didn't know from all the mascara videos I've seen is that for every product sold, Thrive Cosmetics donates either that same product, another product that is needed more, or a monetary donation. They've worked with over 500 nonprofits to help with a wide range of causes like supporting cancer survivors, people experiencing homelessness, education access, and so much more. Knowing that makes me feel even better about using their products. And I do enjoy using them. Like I said, I like having high quality staples, and so my favorites are products that are multi-purpose, like the Brilliant Eye Brightener. It comes in a bunch of colors, and I like using them as eyeliner, eyeshadow, and even highlighter. Thrive Cosmetics is luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 20% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com thrive. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S, dot com slash thrive for 20% off your first order. Calling all lovers of mystery and fans of a good story. If you haven't already heard me talk about June's journey, you're in for a treat. It's time to don your detective hat in this free hidden object mobile game that delves into the captivating journey of June Parker, a self-proclaimed detective on a quest to unravel the mystery surrounding her sister's untimely death. In June's journey, you get to play as June, deciphering clues and unveiling secret plots within thousands of beautifully illustrated scenes. And did I mention it's set in the glitzy 1920s? New chapters are added weekly, so you will never run out of new thrills to uncover, and you can also personalize and decorate your very own Orchid Island where the story takes place. How sharp are your detective skills? Find out when you download June's Journey on your Android or iOS device, or play online via Facebook games. Your detective journey awaits. Stand stands to the Pop Culture Academic Symposium. Mm-hmm. We are the pop culture professors. You know we're smart people, but you know we're talking dumb topics. So true. I'm Caitlin Bitsagai. I'm Lauren Brickman, and you're catching me on a rare day when I have not spent <laughs> the whole day teaching college classes. That's so odd because that is your normal job and what you do. <laughs> I've done it as well, and we both have master's degrees, shockingly. It's absolutely stunning. It's stunning. Especially considering how many hours of television we each watch each each week. Like I know. It should there should be a point where you've watched so much television a week that it cancels out your degree, but 
we don't have that system in place, so we're taking advantage of that right now. And Caitlin, I'm going to call you. Usually I'm the one that's watched like just like a truly disgusting, unhealthy amount of <laughs> TV each week when we check in. But I know for a fact that you have you've gone in hard on something this week. I know- OK, <laughs> we are. We need to get to our current stands, our stands of the week. Mm-hmm. And I need to admit, dear listener, finally, Brickman has convinced me to watch Married at First Sight. Mm-hmm, thank you. And I'm all in. I didn't expect it. No one did. I'm married at first sight to Married at First Sight. <laughs> I do have to take an issue, though, Brickman. Mm-hmm. And, and, and last week on our podcast with Lauren Adams, we did start a very important political and social hashtag. Mm-hmm. Hashtag stop the strumming. Right. Which is to get reality stars to please stop playing acoustic guitar. Right, 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 right. Important. And work. it's a serious issue. And I have to say, season nine, Married at First Sight, Matt Gwynn mm-hmm. composes an original song and plays it for his wife on their month anniversary. And that, yeah. that's a real problem for me. It was hard. It's hard to get through. I'm glad you survived. I'm glad you're on the other side of it. Um, but welcome to the Maths family. Absolutely. And happy to be here. Yeah, it was important. As my best friend, you know, you needed to get a sense of what I was getting myself into since we decided on the show that I am going to apply. Oh, no, I will be stopping you now. Now I know more than ever that you (laughs) cannot go on this show. You cannot be paired with a killer and have to live with them. I don't know. I don't know. Not going to allow it. I think my stand of this week might might change your mind because. okay, listeners, I don't know if you I don't know if I've shared with you all yet but i am actually in the process of moving i've been in queens for a decade now but i'm moving to manhattan and as such i'm packing and my stand this week is childhood notebooks because oh boy have i hung on to some winners i found a old an old old notebook full of what i think were supposed to be song lyrics for a brief moment in life i thought i could write lyrics (laughs) oh no here's a direct pull um This may have been an attempt at a poem. I'm not sure, but I found this in a notebook this week, and it said, if Lauren were a ride at an amusement park, she'd definitely be a roller coaster called the Dramatic Flare. This is something that my teenage self wrote and thought was interesting. Um, And I just have, like, pages and pages of stuff like that. It's it's really, it's really wild. Wow. The Dramatic Flare. Okay. I think any stand stands out there, if you are talented in art, please draw us up the roller coaster, the dramatic flair based on Lauren Brickman. We'd love to see it. And if you have any poetry or song lyrics from your childhood that you were willing to share, slide into our DMs. We want to see it. We want to share it. We want to celebrate it. Absolutely. You know what we always stand, though? Five star reviews. Oh, yeah. And we've got a we've got an incredible one this week from BFC number two. They came in hot with this title, The Icy Hot of Podcasts. Yes. They said, this pod makes my long commute bearable. Smart people talking dumb topics is exactly what I need to get my mind primed to tackle the day and decompress after. Sometimes the takes are so hot, I find myself reaching for the aloe. But fortunately, the host and guests are cool enough to be all the solve I need. Thanks for the laughs, gals. You got to stand, stand for life in me, XOXO. BFC number two. Wow. Thank you wow. so much. I, to me, you are BFC number one. You are BFC number one. Uh, BFC number one in my heart always and forever. But you know what? Enough about five-star reviews. Enough about stands of the week because I truly cannot wait another moment before we talk about who we have this week. We have the most Ugh. incredible guest. I I believe in manifestation now because we got this guy to come on the show and you know since since March, I've been talking nonstop about how in love with Kim's convenience I am. And uh, Caitlin, I, yeah, 
please welcome from Kim, Kim's Convenience and the newly announced Run the Burbs on CBC, Andrew Fong. Welcome. Hello. Thank you for having me. Of course. We are ecstatic. Congratulations on your new show. We we can't wait to see more of you. Tell us about Run the Burbs. Well, so for those listening, Kim's Convenience is coming to an end at the end of this season, which is airing in Canada right now. And depending when you listen to it, yeah. it's coming to the U.S. at some point on <laughs> yes. Netflix, as it has. Um, but then... Um, I I've had I've had a show in development for about a year now, wow. um, which is a which is an amazing story in itself. And uh, it got ordered by CBC last month, and it's called Run the Burbs, and it's about um, myself as a dad, and I'm a father of two kids, and I wanted to write a show reflecting parents of 2021, 2022. I think the way we parent this generation parents is so different, like the yeah. conversations we're having mm-hmm. and. Like even just like my role as a father is is so different because like we we have been raised this idea that fathers go to work and and that's it and they're cold. Whereas like I look at myself and like I tell my kids I love them like a hundred times a day. Like, <laughs> yeah. You know I I I just think we raise them differently and I wanted to show that reflected that, but also just like from my. Asian culture it's just like I have one foot in Canada and then one foot in how my parents raised me with the values of a Vietnamese family you know like my parents are Vietnamese Chinese so I just think that like that's an interesting thing where we haven't really dived into in our media seeing how this generation parents yeah uh, the struggle yeah like I remember early on, I was like, so to my wife, I was like, so we gonna we gonna hit our kids? Like, what are you talking about? And I'm like, we, we, we gonna we gonna spank them a little? She's like, no. And I'm like, oh man, okay. <laughs> good talk, good talk. But I think it's an, a, a truthful thing of just like, yeah, you know, a, a lot of our generation, you know, and I'm sure some kids weren't, but a lot of kids were still spanked. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That was the totally. norm. Oh, for and sure. It just went away. No, I, <laughs> I like not that long ago had a talk with my dad where I was like, you know, it was real weird when you were like so proud of how you like you spank. Like he had this story about how he spanked me once as a kid that he would tell people, and I'm like, that was weird that you were like proud of this moment of parenting <laughs> and told people, and I felt weird about it my whole life. And we just talked about it. It's true. It's such a difference. And and so. The show isn't about spanking, no. but it's a, it's about uh, it's most of it, but yeah. <laughs> and and your stands of television, your stands of pop culture, and like I'm a stand of, of great family sitcoms. Mm-hmm. Yes. And I I felt like in a way this is a throwback to the sitcom where like the parents love one another. Yeah. And we get those we get those values we get those family values but set in the lens of 2022 where those family values are like dissected and discussed Mm -hmm. and inclusive now. And they're not rigid, you know? So I just, you know, that's, that's the show I I get to make. I get to make it with my best friend and (gasps) I have the support of of CBC and we're really excited to make it. That is so exciting. We are such huge fans of Kim's convenience here. I believe I brought it in as my stand of the week and Brickman had not seen it. Mm-mm. And then somehow the next day she'd seen, <laughs> I don't know how you've seen eight seasons, but somehow she's seen eight seasons. <laughs> she's she's written a couple That's and just true. edits them with existing footage. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it's true. It was like, 
Uh, I don't know. I and I'm so excited for these for your new show too because it's the thing that I loved about Kim's and the thing that like we talk a lot about on the show is like art that comes from a place of like love and like open heartedness and it's just so fun to see people like each other and that's one of the things I love about like I was thinking about it today. I was like ah oh, my favorite part about Kim Chi is like he loves his friends like he loves his boy <laughs> yeah. he loves his coworker and like I just love seeing characters that like want to have fun and want to have a good time and like that's it's our favorite thing here we love positivity absolutely you're gonna love season five because season five is like when we get it in the united states in eight years (laughs) yeah it's filled with so much love Mm -hmm. and all those things and because we made it in pandemic and it was written in pandemic yeah those those considerations were like so so important and Mm -hmm. so valued in the in, in making the season um and I think that's what hurt the most just because like I felt yeah. like yeah. in a lot of ways, this was our best season since season one. Wow. Um, and that's not knocking previous seasons. That's yeah. just saying that like, I think because of COVID, we just like came together and, 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 and just like, we just like made just a beautiful season and it's been so well received up in Canada. Um, so when you get it, I- I'm so happy that, that you'll get you'll get to just like enjoy what you love about television. I'm uh, so pumped. I've been like a thirsty creature just devouring every post about it from all of the stands in Canada that are watching it. I'm like, okay, I'm seeing a lot of images I like. I can't wait. I feel like a creepy TV detective being like, okay, I see. I, I have guesses. <laughs> yeah, you have a true detective setup. <laughs> the bummer is that because of your input, improvisation background we do an unofficial kim's con <gasps> up in canada where what? every every summer since season season two uh we've done we, we would typically shoot in the summer yeah and then in toronto i perform at a theater called bad dog theater company um and we would do an unofficial kim's con where i would do theater sports but <gasps> both theater sports teams would be all kim's convenience cast members I can't believe this exists. And I, my mind it, is blown. It is. Oh my God. Because like so many people on that show are improvisers. Like, yeah. But then so many people aren't improvisers that we get like, I, I, you know, I got, I try to get, I got Michael Musi who plays Terrence. Yes. To do improv <laughs> with us. Amazing. And he's not an improviser. Um, he's actually, so this is a running joke. He, 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 he did theater school in New York. Mm-hmm. So whenever we're on set, I'm just like, got everyone listen up. Michael Musi studied in the New York City. So just please step <laughs> up your game. So I I made up this improv game where um I t- I say to I say I I want to I want to raise my game to Michael Musi's. <laughs> so we're going to do a serious scene mm-hmm. and we get the title from the audience and we and it's like the blank the blank, you know. And if the audience feels like I'm not acting hard enough, you just have to say act harder <laughs> and i will act harder um and we do the game with michael and it just is so funny oh my god and yeah so unofficial kim's con oh. sells out literally in like under an hour and it's just all of us improvising and we joke that whoever wins gets their own spin-off and all those things but like <laughs> the show is just filled and it would have been you know hopefully we can but hopefully in the future we get to have some stands who are improvisers come join oh. us right Oh my god! Can't stop us. I to know that my dream already exists and that it's just been existing <laughs> without me is both beautiful and painful. Um, so I'm just yeah. gonna. I'm, here's for the next you know, one. And since you brought up <laughs> Toronto, uh, 
my my family unit, my father asked me to ask you. He's a huge fan, by the way. And he, since he knows you're Canada based, he wanted me to ask you if you know Toronto Raptor OG Ananobi. <laughs> I, I I don't know him, but he exists in Toronto. There we go. Um, there we go. Hey, he asked me several times that I need to ask you, do you know OG? <laughs> uh, yeah. I don't know. We're not on a first name basis, but I I know him. I'm aware of him. I don't know if he's aware of me, but I That's the next thing to have him on the podcast and ask him, do you know him? But I did Fung? do a movie like two years ago where... Kyle Lowry just showed up at the set one day because he's friend. He was friends with the one, one of the writers and mm-hmm. producers of the movie. And so, yeah, like Kyle Lowry just showed up to like hang out one day. And I just thought that was the, the most odd thing in the world, <laughs> you know, I but that. I was also hanging out. Alyssa Milano was in that movie and her and I were hanging out and she's like, who's that? I'm like, Oh, that's Kyle Lowry. <laughs> like I had to explain it to her. <laughs> so I just thought that was like, what is life? Like, how did this happen? <laughs> I, truly, truly, truly. I, those those are the best moments. Those are the best moments. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, well, I think that I think the audience feels comfortable with us yeah. talking about comedy. I think they trust us. So let's get into a game. Okay. All right. Based really right upon your last anecdote, we have a game called Improv or Imna. We know a lot of famous comedians got their start in improv, but many celebs yes and did that you might not know about. Andrew, I'm going to give you a celeb name and you're going to tell me if they got their start in improv or Imna. They didn't. Okay. Okay. Michael Sarah. Michael Sarah's Canadian, I think. Um, but I don't think he came out of improv. No, maybe Canadian improv games. Ah. Oh. Im uh Im nah, nah, he didn't. He didn't. He did. Improv. He did where? Was there a hat of some sort used? <laughs> was a black chair there? <laughs> oh, I feel a black chair was there. There was definitely a black the, chair. The chair was, was black chair? Yeah. Was there someone who took a level two improv course there to criticize your decision making? There always is. I've never been in a room where there isn't. <laughs> um, I believe it was he he cut his teeth at Second City, uh, is where he did the training program at Second City. Oh my oh wow, Second City. Okay, I, I apologize, Michael Sarah. I <laughs> Did not mean to devalue there, but you went through the conservatory. Nice work. <laughs> All right. Steven Yun, Oscar nominee. Well, I know he did comedy early. I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go improv. Yes. He actually still has his second city talent page up, and I encourage everyone to look at it. <laughs> is, he, is he a Chicago guy? Chicago second city guy? Yeah. 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 I love, I love, I love that they really don't take those profiles down. They just keep them up. And I love that about every comedy theater that does that. No, future improvisers, consider when you're putting together your page that when you're an Oscar nominee, that, that sucker's still going to be up. <laughs> oh, well, he, and he is deservedly so. Minari was so good. So good. It, 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 it warms my heart how far he has gone from, you know, from like his early roots in comedy to Glenn or Walking Dead and, and. Also, like when he was when he when he was killed off of Walking Dead, I think there was like this weird thing of just like, oh, I, I hope he's able to continue a career. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> but and that's just like a terrible thing because like we view BIPOC mm-hmm. performers like we just like that's the end for them, right? But he he is proving that obviously talent is greater, and he is yep. like 
he did he did he did like little roles and he did those indie movies and and now he's getting his like his his due his proper recognition for the for the fantastic performer that he is totally we love him all right next one christina aguilera nah she's she's mickey mouse kid (laughs) yeah nope uh, she's too cool for an improv club like those kids were too cool like, those kids are the reasons why us kids started an improv club 100 percent, 100 exactly we were like we like the hanging out but we're not good at singing yeah i was like mickey mouse club cool i'm gonna go join the comedy commandos a real group i was a part of that performed at the library in oklahoma Oh, Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. <laughs> is, that's where Jason Sudeikis is from, right? He's from Kansas. He's from Kansas. I was going to yeah, say. Yeah. Kansas, yeah. 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 We we claim a lot of folks, but he's not one. Yeah. I mixed up the OKC and the KC. Which, my bad. you know, honestly, we wish we were KC. We do. We, w- we would love to be, but we're just not. <laughs> oh, but you know, KC didn't have you, so it's not as good, Lauren. Thank you. All right. Duncan Sheik. <laughs> is... Is he the guy that sings, uh, I am barely breathing? Mm-hmm. Oh. <laughs> yeah. And he wrote the music of Spring Awakening. Oh, is that what he wrote? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. My takeaway is he wrote Barely Breathing. <laughs> yeah, there's this other thing that has gotten so much more recognition. Um, nah, no, not Improv Kid. Yes, UCB. <gasps> what? UCB. Mm-hmm. UCB Training Center. Whoa. Like, before... Spring awakening while he was while he was writing it, <gasps> he took classes. Whoa, wow. that's fascinating. <laughs> good, good for him. That's yes. cool. Good for him. All right, Lakeith Stanfield, also Oscar nominee. Nah, he didn't need improv. No, no way. He agreed. No he way. Agreed. <laughs> Not improv would have held him back in, in a lot of ways. <laughs> Absolutely. Where it helps some people, it hurts others. <laughs> Absolutely. And unfortunately, some of them are. I've taken improv, but no. All right. Tyra Banks. I will say yes, but only, but not like that wasn't her foundation. Mm-hmm. This was something she discovered later on in her career. Correct. She yeah. did the groundlings. Yeah. Which still I'm sure a lot she did this after her model career when she was trying to break into acting. Yes. That seems to yeah. be what was happening. Yeah. She's yeah. always tried to be goofy, like the goofy one. So she needed some some professionalization of goofiness. Uh Pee Wee Herman. Uh, yeah, improv. Yeah. Total yeah. improv guy. Groundlings. Yeah. Jenna Fisher. No. No improv. No? Yeah. Yeah. Straight, straight actress. Straight actress. Straight actress. Straight up actor. I think I recall something from the office, like audition tapes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I feel like maybe there was something referenced there. But yeah, she's, 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 she's really tapped into that comedic side, but obviously, you know, working with yeah. those people, <laughs> like, yes. you know, working in that office really <laughs> opened up her comedy skills. She studied um, improv at the office school of improv. All right. Yeah. <laughs> Mm-hmm. That's that's a good training. It was a good, <laughs> pretty good. It's pretty good. It's pretty good. It's pretty good. Pretty good. Uh, Tracy Ellis Ross. Yeah, improv. No. No. Yeah, I'm surprised too. I really would have thought it would be there. Well, her her earlier work was like all dramatic, right? Uh, she was kind of. She's just. I don't know. She's done a lot. She did girlfriends. But she was kind of like sometimes like a little bit more serious in the comedy world. Like even her girlfriend's character is like 
not like the yeah, goofy. That's like true. she's a little no, bit not at all. Yeah, she's a little bit more. She was always playing like kind of the straighter laced characters in those comedies that she was doing early on. But yeah, well, good for her. Yeah, <laughs> honestly, good for her. Honestly, good for you her. Know what? Tracy Ellis Ross, we're all rooting for you. I I do have to, yeah. to make a connection to uh, something I've been talking about a lot lately. She was in an episode of Private Practice. I forgot that she is the reason why Violet comes back to the practice. So just Tracy Ellis Ross, thank you for the work in that episode. You you did so much for a series that I'm rewatching right now. Anyways. <laughs> Great point. And lastly, Vinny from Jersey Shore. Yeah, but like <laughs> after Jersey Shore. <laughs> Yes, he's he is a UCB uh, trained improviser. I would say it's sort of like while Jersey Shore was happening. Was he ever your student? Caitlin? No, he wasn't my student, but I would see him all the time at the UCB training center, and he performed. I mean, he would do like indie shows. Yeah, like, he was a part of the community. Oh, he was okay. So that's the difference. Like to me, it's like, did you take level one and level two, or were you a part of the community? Man, oh. you're part of the community. Yeah. Hats off, man. Hats no, off. No, he really was. He logged a lot of hours in that training center. <laughs> like, very, Good like for him. Like he was in that library chilling a lot. No, he was very serious about it. Yeah. Good for him. He's a nice guy. Yeah. Yeah, that, uh, that makes me really happy. Yeah, he should have. Yeah. He, uh, I feel like almost everyone I knew was in a practice group with him at some point. <laughs> yeah, he was really into it, and he auditioned for house teams. I don't know what he would have done if he made it. Like, how could he possibly be like, yeah, Tuesday performance, Wednesday <laughs> rehearsal, three hours every day when I'm not doing like, you know, branded content for Axe Body Spray. <laughs> That's such a uh, an American american system because like like as a as someone who's like looked at the american system of improvisation mm -hmm. and like you know had conversations about it like that whole thing of house teams and rehearsals oh, yeah? and it's just so different than than and i guess it's 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 it is different than how i was raised doing improv it's just like well i think because I, I was brought up in calgary mm -hmm. um at the loose moose theater company mm -hmm. um which is where theater sports was created right. by keith johnstone wow who wrote improv for storytellers yes and I and I I I always said I was one of the last generations that studied with Keith, mm -hmm. um, but Keith is still alive. So it's like <laughs> he's I, when when I was sixteen, I was like, oh man, this guy is getting old. Now I'm in my thirties, and like he's still old, and he still tours. <laughs> but like I guess because Calgary wasn't like this hotbed, like you didn't go to Calgary to make it an improv, right? You kind of only did improv on Fridays and Saturdays, and maybe a class during the week. Um. But with that said, you know, the kids in the hall came out of Loose Moose, mm -hmm. you know. And mm -hmm. so, like, that system, I think it's a great starting point. And then, obviously, like, in New York, L.A., those places are, are where you go when you want to continue the, your career. If you want to pursue <laughs> it in career in improv. A lucrative career in improv. Such a lucrative yeah. career, you if know. If you want to be wealthy. <laughs> and just completely <laughs> donate all of your time and everything to an institution. <laughs> Yeah. But with, with that said, I did make a career. I did make a living doing improv in Calgary for a number of years before I booked Kim Convenience because the one thing Calgary has going for it is that there's really only one or two places right. that does improv. Right. And so, um, like you can book the theater and do a split with the box office. Oh, cool. Wow. So if you do a two hander yeah. and you sell out the theater and you pay your tech, but you charge 25 bucks a pop, you can walk away with 2,500 each after two nights. Oh my which God. In improv terms yeah. is like, that is it. 
Right. You know, like, so God. I would do that run once a month. I would do two sold out shows of myself. That was like my show with my partner yeah, right. and then playing the company shows. Um, but that was making a living and yeah. corporate emceeing because there's so much less competition right. in Calgary. Right. Yeah. Oh my God. That is cool. I need a time machine to go back and redo yes. my twenties. <laughs> to go to Calgary. <laughs> I think it's a great plan, Lauren. Finish that time machine that you're already, you're pretty close on that, right? I'm so close. <laughs> and use it just for you yep. to go back to Calgary. I can't think of anything in the recent history we might want to redo <laughs> besides that. <laughs> but we had we had a group of friends that went to UCB and did, they did UCB and they did, um, what's the one in Chicago? It's like, it's- Annoyance? Uh, Annoyance, or, yeah, 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 yeah. They did like the summer intensive, yeah, yeah. And then they brought back their notes and they <laughs> put them in PDF and Word form, yeah. And Ooh. there was bootleg notes <laughs> that we would circulate, and we would like pass them around the community <laughs> and then workshop the activities. So like, because one of the things that we don't do in in Calgary or really in Canada is the Herald. Like, yeah, just like that's not a I thing. See. We don't do the Herald. Everything, a lot of our stuff is 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 like the short form. Mm -hmm. And then, and then when we do long form, it's not in that Herald style. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. bootleg notes was the way <laughs> of doing it. Yeah. I love it. The Herald is spreading over Canada <laughs> through PDFs. <laughs> well, speaking of bootleg notes, we're going to take a quick break because I'm going to see if I can sell some of my old UCB PDFs <laughs> and we'll be right back. As a podcast network, our first priority has always been audio and the stories we're able to share with you. But we also sell merch, and organizing that was made both possible and easy with Shopify. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell and grow at every stage of your business, from the launch your online shop stage all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. They have an all-in-one e-commerce platform and in-person POS system, so wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. With the internet's best converting checkout, 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms, Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers. Shopify has allowed us to share something tangible with the podcast community we've built here, selling our beanies, sweatshirts, and mugs to fans of our shows without taking up too much time from all the other work we do to bring you even more great content. And it's not just us. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. Shopify is also the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Because businesses that grow grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash realm, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash R-E-A-L-M now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash realm. You can shop from anywhere doing pretty much anything. You might shop while working, eating, or even listening to this podcast. And however you shop, we all know and love the thrill of the hunt. But do you also know how to get the thrill of the best deals? Because Rakuten shoppers do. With Rakuten, they get the deals they love with the most savings and cash back. And you can get it too. 
Start getting cash back at your favorite stores like Sephora, Nike, and even Expedia if you're looking to get some travel in. And getting cash back doesn't mean you have to miss out on sales because those can just be stacked right on top. It's easy to use and based on a simple idea. Stores pay Rakuten for sending them shoppers and Rakuten shares the money with you as cash back through PayPal or check. Download the free Rakuten app and never miss a deal. Or go to Rakuten.com to start getting the most bang for your buck. That's R-A-K-U-T-E-N. All right. Uh, it turns out my UCB PDFs are worth nothing right now. Um, but if anyone does want to make a deal, I'm happy to I'm happy to sell off what I have. <laughs> I'm pretty sure there'll be a form of cryptocurrency imminently. Mm, you know, mm. you'll be able to use that to uh, like Apple Pay. Also, I do have a, a, a UCB memento that I took from the Chelsea space. If anyone's interested, uh, I will. Oh. I will sell it. I will sell it. Wow. Yeah. But you have to wow. you have to slide into the DMs to find out what it is. <laughs> And name oh your name gosh. your price before I tell you what I took. <laughs> name your price before you know what it is. Yeah, that's how that works. You're an amazing salesperson. Thank Lauren you. Uh, I have a little thesis to present yeah. to y'all about comedy of of the past, uh, and I think it's it's simple, and I think it's inarguable. My thesis this week is that In Living Color shaped the entertainment industry as we know it. It is. We think of it as a legendary sketch show, but when I was really researching, it is so formative to so many parts of the entertainment industry. Mm-hmm. First of all, the talent we know is astronomical. Right. Jim Carrey, arguably one the, the biggest comedian, comic actor of all time, one of the biggest stars mm-hmm. for about 10 to 15 years. Damon Wayans, Jamie Foxx. Jamie Foxx is on the show. Like, it's, it's you're like, what? David Allen Greer. And not just in acting, because let's not forget, we have Jennifer Lopez as mm-hmm. one of the fly girls. We have Rosie Perez as the choreographer. We have Carrie Ann Inaba of <laughs> Dancing with the Stars was a fly girl. <laughs> Season one, we have Carrie Ann Inaba and J-Lo talking dance behind the scenes. <laughs> also, I think important... Um, they didn't become as household of names, but the women on that show were so are funny. So funny. Powerfully funny. Kelly Caulfield, Kim Wayans, Takia Crystal Kema. Like, while unfortunately they didn't become household names, I think that they really were inspiration mm-hmm. and laid the groundwork for like the women that we're seeing on SNL of the last 10, 15 years that are so great. And the women on a Black Lady sketch show. Like, also just weird stuff. Like, executives on that show, Pam Vizi, who was. <laughs> the executive of In Limit Color was then the showrunner of CSI. <laughs> like another huge show seems totally unrelated. Mm-hmm. Joe Devola helped develop a huge show for this podcast, One Tree Hill. Huge, huge. <laughs> which also has nothing to do with comedy or In Living Color. And if you remember from Seinfeld, there's the character Crazy Joe Devola. That character is named after Joe Devola, the executive of In Living Color. Mm-hmm. Like, what? Also, I think it's so specific in its comedy. And even though nothing has exactly done it, I think er all the sketch shows that have launched since then owe it a debt of gratitude because like, I think you should leave and a Black Lady sketch show, they don't really have that much to do with the living color, except for they have such a precise vision. And I think that is coming from that. 
It was on for five seasons for 127 episodes. And I wish it was on longer. And thinking about In Living Color, it made me realize why it makes sense that SNL is going into season 47. It's because, like, you have to keep doing it. It has to keep current. Like, things that were on the show then, as funny as they were, they don't fly today, uh, both in terms of, like, what we find acceptable, but also humor just changes. And you have sketches like Men in Films or Wanda that, like, they don't comport with the way that we talk about those issues today. But in a way, we're forward thinking for their time. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, you know, it's so funny going back to what we were talking about with Kim's Convenience and with Run the Burbs. Like, it's very millennial to me because I think everything is done with love. And I think millennials really like the heart of something. I think we like things that are done out of an appreciation and not to make fun. And that's why I think even when you look at their old sketches that you wouldn't do them today, they don't offend necessarily. I don't think because they come from a place of love and appreciation. Um, so, my thesis is that Living Color shaped the entertainment industry. Do you guys do? Are you guys in Living Color fans? Do you have a favorite sketch or character? I, I'll be very honest. I, I think uh, In Living Color was like just before my time. Really? Um, yeah. Yeah, and and I think also though, I'm trying to recall like we so TV in Canada in the early '90s, like we didn't like we just didn't get it the same way. Right. You know, right. And so when we talk about like you not getting Kim's convenience yeah. until like April, <laughs> you know, which like I, which that's I call a, eight years. Yeah. yeah, which is like eight years. <laughs> we literally didn't get it for eight years. Yeah. <laughs> like, and so I so for me, like SNL mm-hmm. was was what we got. Right. And right. I I actually we didn't get Fox. I was just gonna say, I bet Fox stuff was even slower. Because it was the fourth network and it just probably didn't have a system set up. Fox was channel 22. We didn't get channel 22. <laughs> like, and, and, but we didn't get TBS. Like, I remember when we got TBS in like the late 90s, mm-hmm. it was a big deal because we were do- at the end of every improv sketch in, in drama class, we'd be like, TBS, Superstation, because <laughs> we just got TBS. <laughs> And then we just got 40 days of James Bond. Like, yeah. So, so, cause like, but I, I do remember I got a bit of House of Buggin' mm. uh, yeah. with John yeah, Leguizamo. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so, you know, same format, yeah. same everything. It got, got canceled. So, my perception of In Living Color is literally just like clips I find here and there, or like, yeah, I might and you have know, an episode. Yeah. That is so funny because I think that that brings up a great point of like, can you go back and appreciate a sketch show, or is it something you have to sort of be watching as it happens? Because that type of humor can sometimes be so ephemeral, even though In Living Color wasn't topical by any means, but it, you know, just there's zeitgeist stuff that you capture and bottle for five minutes and it's hilarious, and then. Three years later, you're like, why did anyone think this was funny? Well, I think it, it it's you know it's what the kids in the hall did mm-hmm. afterwards. Right. Um, and like I don't know if it's if it's hit there, but like Baroness von Sketch, um, mm-hmm. came to yes. you know uh is, 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 has done such a wonderful job. And then there's a new show up in Canada. I'd love to just pitch. It's called Tall Boys. 
Ooh. and it's um it's like listening. four BIPOC performers um all like they were a sketch group mm-hmm. that were all tall so they were called tall boys to men um but obviously keeping the boys to men wouldn't have been possible so they got a show called tall boys and they're doing some great work around like they're, they're around like indigenous culture mm-hmm. and like um you know, like about being black, you know, obviously right now it's so tiny. Yes, yes, I have heard of this show. That is amazing. I don't think we have tall boys in the U.S. yet. Baroness Von Sketch is on IFC if people haven't seen it in the U.S. Yeah. That is exciting. That is really cool. Well, that's what's interesting. People think of In Loving Color as the black sketch show of, you know, the 90s, which is not inaccurate because it was created by the Wayans family and had a lot of black cats members. But I think it also kind of pigeonholes it it, it, because they had diversity and uh, of cast members and it's just it's not for a particular audience it's for everyone it's so funny i think i think what happens when you say like a black sketch show or like an asian show yeah is that what you do is you're unintentionally i hope you're kind of turning people off because you make it seem like oh i can't enjoy it because yeah, of that but what I think we need to rephrase is that it's like it's a show about an Asian family. Right. But it's, you know, like with with Kim's especially, it's like what I love is like people come up and you're like, I love it. I understand it. And I'm like, yeah, that's that's the deciding factor of a good show. Yeah, totally. Yeah. And and so just because it has the point of view or the story of this group that you don't know or you aren't a part of doesn't mean you can't enjoy it. Um, totally. And so. I think when we promote shows, we, we need to be careful in like how we present them. Exactly. Because sometimes we're actually like hurting it when we're so specific with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. Which is unfortunate you know. that people don't assume universality. Right. And I can't pronounce it, but I can think <laughs> yeah. about it. <laughs> like when I get into a show, like Ted Lasso is a really good example. Yeah. Where I was so nervous about not knowing soccer. <laughs> <laughs> as being the thing that would hold me back. Yeah. And then when I watched it and fell in love with it, I'm like, what the hell? I know I don't I don't understand soccer, but I know how sports work. Like right. I know you who has more points wins. Like <laughs> I know that. And so it, it actually, you know, so I just yeah, I think it's like we should be careful on how we present shows, but you're right. It's like even though it was promoted or presented as as this type of show, it is relatable. Mm-hmm. And I think the the universality of it and the openness of it like puts characters in the mainstream. When we see those people living in our mainstream or we see them on the screen, it becomes normal in our world, you know? Mm. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. So uh, great choice, <laughs> even though I didn't see it, but house of bugging. Oh man. I remember, I remember in grade six, I would go to school the next day and be like, and you're right. We just did get Fox. It makes so much sense that we just got Fox. <laughs> And I would be like, did you see House of Buggin? And then <laughs> they they did this sketch, like West Side Stories, but we didn't know West Side Stories. So we thought that was like their own invention. <laughs> right. <laughs> That's right. amazing. Yeah. I feel like that is such a fundamental building block when you're just that age, when you see parodies, but you don't even know what they're parodying. But yeah. like your your brain starts to absorb comedy that way because you're like, yeah. I don't know what's going on, but I do somehow get the jokes. <laughs> yeah. Like my son is really into Teen Titans Go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and sometimes he'll say something and I'm like, hey, buddy, where, where'd you learn that phrase? He's like, Teen Titans Go. And I'm like, 
good for them. <laughs> there, there's a comedy writer on that. Like, there's a writer in comedy mm-hmm. who wrote that line, you know, for kids of the next generation. And I love that. Yeah, you know? totally. Totally. Um, but yeah, it, when we talk about comedy living in a bubble, but mm-hmm. then like living for years. Right. Right. I think that's such an interesting topic right now because, you know, there's a, there's like a discussion about the disclaimers mm-hmm. in front of old movies or old TV yeah, shows. Yeah. People, you know, some people like being really mad about it and then some people being like, you know, we should have disclaimers, mm-hmm, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and it's an interesting point of view of like these works weren't meant intended to be consumed 30 40 50 years later yeah so we have this dilemma of like how do we consume it well and i think that kind of leads to like the thesis i was going to present today which is that you know there are of course some great sketch comedy shows on the air right now like uh, friend of the show lauren ashley smith head writer of a black lady sketch show which we love obviously snl is still in the air i'm excited to hear about tall boys now i gotta go check that out but i do feel like that the televised sketch comedy landscape is in a little bit of a dry spell right now. And I'm like, like, especially like, I don't know about um, in Canada, but like in, here in the States, like Comedy Central for like years and years and years had like multiple sketch comedy shows. Like you had like Key and Peele and Inside Amy Schumer. And for a while we had like Alter Latino and like it felt like there were always multiple shows. And like for a long time it was mad tv was on the air and like you know it felt like there was almost like a sketch show for everyone right and right now it feels like there's less and i kept i'm like but i feel like there's a audience for it i feel like people want it and but yet people aren't giving shows the same amount of time to try it out like i feel like like our friends astronomy club they only got a season at netflix and that felt like so mm-hmm. not cool. Like, I was like, no, they needed more time. Like, they were onto something. They did the same thing with, like, characters. Um, the characters on Netflix. Like, shows yeah. shows are getting, like, these, like, really tiny windows. And it's like, give, and I'm curious. And I have two thoughts. And I'm like, is it because of this, um, f- this question we're asking about how, like, sketch comedy is so of the moment? And how do, how do you find longevity in that as we're having these, like, bigger cultural questions and reckonings is it that or is it also that like social media has changed the game because like i feel like a lot of people are turning to Mm. platforms like tiktok and rizzle and other apps to kind of scratch that itch and so i don't know if it's some combination of the both if it's one more than the other or if it's just like calm down girl like stuff's in production and it's going to be out there but (laughs) but i just feel like there's a little bit like like I find myself craving that kind of comedy and I'm not finding it as available as it has been in the past. But I'm curious what y'all think about that. Well, there definitely was, a, like you said, like about five years ago, there was a lot. Yeah. And, you know, I think things are cyclical mm-hmm. on some level. Like, I think the news trends in the United States have been so negative yeah. the past four or five years. And uh, some sort of armchair entertainment <laughs> reporters would say oh that's going to be great for comedy it kind of isn't yeah it kind of isn't like i think comedy does better in more prosperous times it doesn't quite make sense but like the 90s had so many amazing shows you know if you look back and like so many diverse and new and cool sketch shows Mm -hmm. at the time and like then that sort of happened like oh eight Mm -hmm. maybe around even through like 2012 I, I want to say, and then it, it, I think it's, 
part of that is just the business of like what sells right. like a lot of political entertainment shows sold right. in 2016 and 2017 in the US like I know the New York landscape was definitely affected by those so you're seeing less like I'm a goofy gal who wants <laughs> who has a sketch show show yeah but maybe you're starting to see it ramp up again. I mean, I know a Black Lady Sketch Show season two is coming out mm-hmm. in April. So that's super exciting. I agree, though. They do need more room to grow. Like Astronomy Club, definitely we needed more seasons. You have because you have to fall in love with sketch comedians. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's like a sitcom. Like you have to like love the characters. And what's funny is on sketch, it's like the characters are the sketch characters, but they're the actors. Yeah. Too. I don't know if I have an answer for this. Yeah. I, I do think the the online world has changed it because like mm-hmm. now anyone can make a sketch. Yeah. Right. And so when you have someone like the dress up gang making stuff online for free, you know, they're making it for free. That's the competition. But yeah, but, but like, but narrative features like narrative comedy mm-hmm. and narrative drama, that's still unmatched. Right. Totally. Like, like a web series will will still look like a web series. Right. Whereas a web sketch can look as good as a TV sketch comedy show. Yeah. Right. Um, it's just so know. like it's just so interesting to me because like I in my classroom, like with my students, I've noticed like from when I first started teaching to now, like students used to come into my class and like they'd be like, What is a sketch? Like, what is this? Oh no. Right? Like and like early on, like early on in my teaching career, when I was doing stuff like that, I felt like I was this like magician wizard who was like introducing kids to stuff. But now I feel like they walk in and they kind of already know, like they may not know how to execute it or how to put it together. But like there's like a voc- there's like a vocabulary that students that they that I don't remember them having. Yeah. I mean, when you think about like a TikTok can get 10 million views. Right. And look good. I mean, people put a lot of effort into their production of those. And they don't have to have standards and practices. They don't have to deal with legal. Right. They don't have to worry if their network, you know, has a sponsorship deal with grape nuts. So you can't say anything about grape nuts. <laughs> don't no grape nuts humor, guys. Like there's so many little intricacies of writing for sketch for television that just are that you're you're more uninhibited other than like I mean I guess like if you have nudity TikTok will take you down <laughs> that's about it but I I, I don't want to I don't want to like uh disagree with you mm-hmm. Lauren but I do think it's like maybe it's the perception of like because we've been at home and we've watched everything <laughs> that's fair <laughs> enough too you know like like you're seeking it out because you've never had so much time in your life because like on my end you're like we're mentioning snl will always be there yeah okay yeah. mad tv is gone yeah but like i remember when it was only snl and mad tv and y'all <laughs> just name dropped a bunch but then like up in canada we had baroness mm-hmm. and tall boys at the same time yeah. yeah we had two sketch shows at the same time where there were none for years that's true and the kids in the hall are coming back to amazon that's very cool yeah uh, so maybe it's because we've watched everything <laughs> Honestly, so and Andrew, you so have fair. no idea. You are the Lauren Brickman whisperer because this woman, <laughs> no one blows through content quite like Lauren Brickman. So I think you bring up a good point. For the rest of normal humans, we still have a lot to watch. Lauren is done with the internet. <laughs> She's reached the end. Because like the other day, I was, uh, I, 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 I got, I got a bootleg Peloton machine and I've been spinning, <laughs> spinning. Um, which I've actually really enjoyed. I never thought I would enjoy it, yeah. but I've actually really enjoyed it because I get a half an hour to an hour to myself right. to watch whatever I want to watch guilt-free, mm-hmm. you know? But the other day I was like scrolling through and I'm like, 
I think I watched everything. <laughs> like, <laughs> like I didn't know what to watch. So I was like, then I went to like the D list. Yeah. Like, What's a movie or a show I've been meaning to watch. And like, I just never had time. <laughs> but now it's like, Fung, you're a year in a pandemic. <laughs> Now or never. That's true. We got to get out. We got to go for a run or something. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's true. Okay. I need to leave my house a little bit more often. This is great. This is great. You may have just saved my life, Andrew, actually. Um, hey, and I, if I got to hype something, I put off Bad Boys for Life mm-hmm. for a year. Okay. It's pretty good. I was, hey. pre- I was pretty good. I was like, should have watched this earlier. I had downloaded it like six times. Every time I got on a plane mm-hmm. or like every time I, I went to go shoot something, I'd be like, oh, I'll watch this on set. I'll watch this in my, my trailer. Never watched it. <laughs> then I put it on. And it was pretty, pretty good. good. Hey, we'll take pretty good. We wish we reached the bad boys for life part of the <laughs> pandemic, folks. And it's not so bad. It's not so bad. Um, well, we we know you've got to get on with your day. But before we go, just a couple last thoughts. I, I, I did want to ask. So now that you're an EP, now that you're developing your own work, if you got the green light from Netflix or CBC or someone to put together your own sketch show right now, like who are some of the comics you're like, these? this is who I'd put together in a in a sketch ensemble for a TV show right now. Is there anybody that you're like, I got to grab these folks. These are folks that got to be on TV creating this stuff. Well, I think right now, especially what's happening with the Asian community, I would want to see uh, an Asian point of view sketch show. Yeah. I think yeah. like, you know, I think I think having that point of view would be so important. So like up in Canada, Cassie Cow, Leonard Chan, Joe Vu, um, Julie Kim, Ronnie Ronnie Chang messaged me the other day. <gasps> oh. and he was just going. Well, firstly, I'll share like a Ronnie's like he's such a good person. Yeah, I was in Montreal for Just for Laughs, and he was there. And I wrote him really quick, and I'm like, "Hey, man, like I'm 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 in town watching your show. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna go see your show." And he wrote me back because we follow each other on on social media. And he wrote me back. He's like, "Hey, where are you sitting? Let's let, let, like like let me let's come hang out after." Um, you know. We hang out after, and then he's like, hey, what are you doing tomorrow? Let's get lunch. Let's get some lunch. And he takes me out for food. We order food, and he's like, before he even gets there, he's like, oh, man, I got to go to a gig. And he leaves. <laughs> and the food hasn't come, so I just ate all this food he <laughs> ordered for the table, like me and my other comedian friend. I love that. What a gift. Here's some food what a gift. I ordered. <laughs> but he he wrote me the other day, and he just like had all this advice. Oh, wow. And he was just like... He was like, you know what, Andrew? Like, you got to protect yourself. Fight for what you want. He was like so thoughtful in his words. I really appreciated it. Um, and as, especially, you know, in Bo and Yang last night. Yeah. Threw out a saves Kim, Save Kim's Convenience on SNL. Yeah. With a, a wonderful message of, for the Asian community. But Ronnie was going on about Julie Julie Kim and like, so like Julie Kim. So I, I would I would look for asian comedians and like you know my, my apologies to to the americans who listen i'm just not in that market but i think you know if we put a call out i would get i would i'm sure we'd get a hundred a thousand banging asian comedians i would also really try to push for my cousin's son because my cousin's son is doing comedy in houston and he's getting oh, really boy. good but he's still like a lawyer by day oh wow <laughs> and he I and he hates it, it. Oh. Uh, but he's also like he's he's like 50 and so i just think it'd be so good for representation to see someone in their 50s doing comedy. age diversity is a huge issue in comedy mm-hmm. so- huge 
but like just he's so bitter funny like he's just like a, he hates being a lawyer so much that i just want to channel that energy and he's been through it he's born in vietnam he's seen it all like he just he doesn't give a fuck like he just and i i love that so i would choose i, I think that's the point of view i would really yeah i would really push right now I think would be timely. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. Well, I can tell you if you want to book any Asian comics in New York, they there are dozens and dozens, if not hundreds of the funniest people alive are here and ready to go. <laughs> New York has given me, and I just want to gush, I've had some of my best memories of comedy in New York. And I remember um, it was our my, my wife and I, our honeymoon, and I'm a big Jason Sudeikis fan, like yeah. huge. I mentioned him earlier. I saw that he was doing um what's the what's the format where it's one actor and one improviser? Oh, the, the, the gravid the water. Gravid, gravid water. Gravid water. Yeah. And he was doing it with his uh, partner at the time. Um, oh yeah, Olivia Wilde, right? Olivia Wilde. I think I was at this show. Oh, you were? I think I was at that show. <laughs> was uh cuz I I also feel like Ben Folds was there. Yeah, that uh, was like an insane lineup. Um Zachary Quinto was there, I think, and then Pete from 30 Rock. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, uh-huh. And and I remember we waited. We waited in line because we had to get standby tickets. We were like got there. We waited like six hours, got in. Um, and my we had just found out in Chicago because we did like American City honeymoon. Mm -hmm. My wife was pregnant. <gasps> oh. And it was such a nice moment. But then someone like uh someone saw my wife standing and she was like, Hey, do you want to take my seat? And my wife's like, Yeah. And I turned to that person after. I'm like, hey, we just found out my wife's pregnant. Thank you. Like um, and we found out in not great circumstances because she wasn't feeling well. Oh, no. So we had to go to an American hospital. <gasps> Side note, American hospitals have Yelp. Like, what's what's the deal, yo? It's it's fucked <laughs> up. You, you, you don't understand. Most of our time on this Zoom before we uh, log on to the show is complaining about our medical system. <laughs> I, I looked up hospital and there was like all these listings and they mm -hmm. were like yelped and I'm like what's going on mm -mm. and then when I got there they're like oh hey how are you doing and I'm like good and, and then they're like do you have health insurance and I'm like I'm from Canada and they're like come on in <laughs> <laughs> anyways but yeah they gave us the and then we watched the show and I used to, it was just such a wonderful memory of, of of improv but I I'm always like one of my biggest regrets was like in my 20s a lot of my friends went to the, to the US and like did UCB and all second city and all those things. And on the flip side, I stayed in Calgary and built my career at loose. Yeah. Um, yeah. It, it, it could, it could go either way because on the flip side, I learned how to pr promote and produce my own shows. Yeah. I learned how to be my own performer. Um, and I built my career my way, but I always have this regret because I know the comedians on the other side who had such great memories and experiences going to the U S and taking those intensives, wow. you know, but uh, that's like my New York, my favorite story, just seeing him and her improvise. And I was like, Oh my God, such a wonderful night. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. Gravid water yeah. was, that was a special show. I, Absolutely. is that not on anymore? Is that not a thing? Well, we'll oh, it, it, it was, will, it was, yeah. 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 yeah, it will. Yeah. It, it, it will, will be, be again. It will be again. Yeah. But you know, it, and that's the, the 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 gift that you have of being in like the epicenter of, of improvisation because you can like on a Wednesday night, I went to go see a show at eleven. And I was like, this oh, yeah. in any oh, yeah. city would be the Friday night nine o'clock show. Yeah. You know? And but instead it's like, you know, the off hours mm -hmm. or um one night Aziz Ansari was was playing his comedy special and I said to my wife I'm like we should go I bet you he'll show up and she's like no I'm not feeling well I'm like yeah you're right and then I looked at Twitter and I was like Aziz showed up 
Yeah. I was like, what? A, what? That's so amazing that people could just show up. Yeah. Yeah. It was. Yeah. If you know the scene, you can predict stuff like that pretty well and show up at a free show that would have cost forty dollars somewhere else. Yeah. 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 It is crazy. Yeah. It was. It, it was definitely the magic part about like you know you would have like a midnight tech and you'd be like, I'm so tired. What am I doing here? And then you'd be like, oh, hey, Janine Garofalo. Cool. You're in the green room, too. What's up? Yeah. Yeah. And I guess it's like for for a lot of those people, like that's their happy place. Yeah. Oh, yeah, um, for sure. Because I, I, I hosted a New Year's special up in Canada, but it was like the national New Year's countdown. Uh, wow. And it was in a theater, but it, it was just like, myself and my co-host mm-hmm. and then the, the small crew and even the control room was like housed in the other side of the theater but i walked in the theater and i just like stood on the center of the stage and i just like i cried I, I, yeah. I, i'm actually tearing up talking about it just like like i'm in a theater yeah yeah and yeah or 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 there's an episode of of kim's this season where we shot on toronto's danforth which is like a very busy street and there's a danforth music hall mm-hmm. and i walked in and i i the smell of beer hit me <laughs> stale beer hit me and i was like oh i miss this and then i remembered oh what's the last show you sh- saw here a middle ditch and schwartz mm-hmm. was the last show you mm-hmm. saw here and i just like once again i was like oh my god <laughs> yeah um yeah so i've had such wonderful experience in new york and i, I miss theater especially yesterday's world theater day yeah 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 well it'll be yeah. it'll be so fun to get back on stage again one of these days Hopefully very yeah, soon. Yeah, and, and, you know, from, from the bottom of this Canadian's heart, thank you to American stands of Kim's Convenience. Oh, of course. Because when we went to the U.S., we had no idea, we had no clue if, if, if y'all were going to like us. And, like, because we had some uptake from mm-hmm. people who, like, were getting CBC and, like, the Asian community, like, some rumblings of people like, oh, we bootlegged the show. But we didn't know. And I remember when it hit that summer, and it came out right around Crazy Rich Asians. So we've called it the Summer of Asians, where two Asian projects dropped at the same time. But like people just fell in love. And then we went to LA shortly after. And like Paul, who plays Appa, I was like, I wonder if anyone's going to recognize us. And we were at this In N Out Burger sitting. And all you start seeing is like, people running to our table looking and all i heard was a girl run over look at us and run back and saying it's them <laughs> and then groups running back and are like what are you doing here and we're like we're just what getting in and out because we don't got it up in canada that's it, it, it means a lot yeah well a lot. well it means so much that you agreed to be on this show because we are such huge fans and huge fans like truly 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 i think i i hope that listeners of the the show are having as much fun knowing like knowing how much we've been talking about (laughs) like this is just such a fun cool moment of fandom to be able to share some time with you and not just talk about kim's which we love but like our joint love of comedy too which is just like so cool so this is this is an incredibly special uh episode and thank you so much thank you for having me i I, you know, I don't say yes to many podcasts, but literally the last four or five were all hosted by improvisers because I have like such a soft spot. Yeah, oh, Whenever I see we do improv and I'm like, OK, got to <laughs> do it. These are my people. <laughs> um, Because at the end of the day, what I miss, what COVID has 
maybe miss the most is is doing shows for dozens of people in the weird church basement. <laughs> oh, oh my god. Oh my god, what I would give to be in the basement of a grocery store right now. <laughs> uh, truly. And and Andrew, until our, our stand stands can get tickets to those basements of civic centers around North America, where can they find you? Well, season five of Kim's Convenience will be coming to uh, the U.S. at some point soon. Uh, I will announce it on my on my social media. And then uh, right now, you know, you find me on, on Instagram and Twitter at Andrew Fung. And I'm making a new show called Run the Burbs, which is uh, about a family in the suburbs living their best life. And I really hope to bring that to you uh fans around the world very soon oh and you better believe uh, we stay on social is going to be leading the charge for that campaign <laughs> yes if not hosting a recap podcast oh, <laughs> imminently okay. I, I gotta make i gotta make sure i get you screeners we gotta do a follow-up <gasps> oh my god to, for that i just got <laughs> so many i got all the chills i got all the chills um all right so follow us at we stand social for you know almost too much more about that <laughs> We love you, Stan Stance, and we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. Bye.